1: Now let's go into these biologics there's always something inhibiting something nowadays we learned that from rheumatoid arthritis and COVID and everything Absolutely. so denosumab really goes back to and i know you wanted to say this but i have to show off my medical knowledge you know what i mean you know we said that as you know women or all of us get a little bit older that the osteoclast really just take off and the reason this happened earlier is there's certain proteins that we have like osteoprogenin osteoprotegrin mm-hmm. yeah did, yeah, I, did yeah. I screw that up yeah. a little bit no okay. you did it perfectly oh, I thank was, you i was just echoing you Just yeah, yeah. echoing me okay yeah. and you know estrogen influences that right yeah. and then what happens is, is that that's going to attach to you know these little ligands i think one of the words the med students want me to say to you is rank ligand right, right? yeah and this is a monoclonal antibody that's going to be um blocking rank ligand which actually makes the osteoclast break down and get the demolition crew going right correct so it's a monoclonal antibody where does this fall relative to a bisphosphate is this a second line drug a first line drug and it's injectable right you have to inject once a month don't you uh once every six months twice a year six a month so where where does that fall to you in a patient when should a patient talk about being on this biologic uh, dinosen I think the brand name is Prolia, right? Correct. Okay. Correct.
0: Um, it's uh, it's also, you know, I'd say for for sort of your uh, your at lower to average risk osteoporosis patient mm-hmm. who we know is already at a higher risk of fracture to begin with. But mm-hmm. for your patients yeah. who, you know, you're, you're sort of maybe not as worried about them. Probably a uh, uh, prolia or denosumab is going to be uh, more of a, a second line uh, treatment. And if you're failing a bisphosphonate, if you fail treatment with a bisphosphonate, you might think about, about prolia or denosumab. Um, and a lot of this is fueled by, by cost considerations, um, Prolia is a lot more expensive than all the
1: bisphosphonates um it still uh, is it's yeah. still it's mm-hmm. not generic
0: yet no um okay. and uh uh it's been around for um, a while about 13 years yeah. it was approved by the fda in 2010 okay. so but if you compare to the track record of bisphosphonates it's shorter so you know maybe if you're thinking about uh about long-term safety and whatnot we, we maybe have a little bit more with bisphosphonates
1: so if, if someone probia. Is on a bisphosphonate if they're having side effects or they're getting worsening based upon percent bone loss. That's when you'd only think about a, a, a this biologic in the background. My that's right one situation that? where you
0: would. Okay. Another
1: situation would be if
0: you had a patient who is really high risk. To begin with, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe a patient who's already had a fracture, or a patient whose bone density is really, really low, yeah. or a patient who on the, the FRAX tool or whatever yeah. risk assessment yeah. model you use, their fracture risk is really, really high. Mm-hmm. You might think about using this as a first-line treatment, and, and some Beyond, patients Beyond, before did. bisphosphonate? Perhaps. Okay. Um, I do have to say that yeah. um, with Prolia, it's very, very important to realize that Prolia now, we realize that, uh, that you should not do what we call a drug holiday. With prolia. Ah. Um, in other words, if you start a patient on prolia, that yep. patient is either going to be on prolia indefinitely slash forever okay. for the rest of their life, or if they're going to come mm. off the prolia, mm. they must be transitioned to another agent, um, most typically a bisphosphonate. Um, wow. So when I have patients who come to me and they say, I want to take prolia because I don't want to take a bisphosphonate because yeah. I heard that XYZ about bisphosphonates, I say, well, here's what you should know about Prolia. If I put you on Prolia today, you're either going to take it for the rest of your life, for all the years that you are on this planet, um, or I'm going to have to transit, if you ever want to come off of it, I'm going to have to transition you to another medication, at least for a while. And the medication that's most
1: well studied in that circumstance is the bisphosphonate. And the reason being is that the minute you stop the drug, your bone health is going to go immensely back down to bad you are correct wow
0: it's this rebound phenomenon the the analogy I use with my patients is if you think of osteoporosis like a a truck on a downhill slope right and there's a there's a building or a brick wall or something at the bottom of that slope and if the truck runs into the wall that's like breaking a bone yeah Prolia is really really good at keeping the brakes on the truck as long as you keep giving it every six or seven months twice a year yeah Um, if you stop giving the Prolia Mm-hmm. Um and you don't replace it with something else. Yeah. After about seven, eight, nine months at the most, yeah. the antibodies, the monoclonal antibodies yeah. that are the dinosumab yeah. they go away. And all of a sudden you get this very rapid activation of osteoclasts. The osteoclasts start chewing away at the bone even faster than probably if you would never put the patient on it in the first place. You see a dramatic drop in bone density Mm -hmm. and you often see patients show up with fractures, sometimes multiple Mm -hmm. fractures, probably the most commonly seen thing in in these case series that came out Mm -hmm. were vertebral fractures at multiple levels. Um, So this is why now uh, if you, if you look at the, the labeling for yeah, um, yeah. All the guidelines out there, they make it very clear if you put a patient on Prolia, you are basically telling that patient they're going to be on that medication for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Or you have to make sure they understand
1: um, that they cannot stop the medication without replacing it with something else. That mean that that was worth the whole podcast right there. I don't think many patients do that. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Anabolics. Uh, let's talk about when it's been around for a while. The parathyroid hormone analog that mm-hmm. it, it mimics now it's weird because parathyroid hormone PTH it breaks down the bone it increases your calcium in the blood keeping it simple for my, 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 my fans sure, over there sure. now you're telling me if I mimic this hormone it should be breaking down more bone but I'm using it for osteoporosis to build bone can you explain that is it a good drug do you use it in your patients uh it's a great drug
0: and i do use it in my patients and so yes the idea uh, uh that you alluded to as i mentioned earlier that primary hyperparathyroidism is actually a risk factor for bone loss thank you. and fracture thank right? you so the difference between primary hyperparathyroidism and using a pth analog a medication that basically looks and acts like uh parathyroid hormone um is that having uh, tonic elevations, constant elevations in parathyroid hormone leads to bone loss, leads to uh, activation of the osteoclast and release or, or, or removal of calcium from the bone, right? Mm. Bad. Um, which bad, is bad. Bad. Um, if you have pulsatile elevations Mm -hmm. in parathyroid hormone which occurs like if you were to administer this pth analog that you're referring to um, and you get an increase in parathyroid hormone that then goes away several hours later Mm -hmm. a pulsatile increase in parathyroid hormone actually leads to more uh, uh, stimulation of the osteoblast relative oh to uh, uh, the osteoclast. Yep. So this is why it's considered an anabolic agent and why it's good for the bones is that um, pulsatile increases in, in parathyroid hormone levels that go quickly up and then come back down, that leads to activation of the osteoblast.
1: And for my, my listeners, anabolic means build. That's Correct. why it's a building agent. Right. Now, how often do you dose uh, Terraparatite is the generic name for one of these. The brand name is Forteo. Mm -hmm. Um, How often do you have to, it's an injection, right? So it's a subcutaneous
0: injection. So with a short little needle right under the skin, um, very similar uh, to an insulin injection. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to be injected once a day, um, which a lot of patients do not like, um, but this This is- I don't want it. (laughs) I don't want it. (laughs) I'll never attack you with a uh, Forteo needle. Um, But um, So it's injected once a day, this is something that's administered by the patient, so they don't have to come into a doctor's office to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that a patient or or you know the loved one at home would administer to them mm-hmm. once a day, uh, every day. And you have
1: you prescribed it many patients. So let's yeah. go back. So yeah. bisphosphonates first. Mm-hmm. There's denosumab, community to the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Where does teriparatide, you know, this PTH analog, fall in? When do you when do you sure. consider that? I think
0: you know most of the of uh, the 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 thought process now out there is that basically we should be dividing our osteoporosis patients up into sort of like, uh, our, our osteoporosis patients and our severe osteoporosis patients. Right. Okay. Or we might say our high risk for fracture patients and are very high risk for fracture okay. patients. Okay? okay. Okay. And so the 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 differences there would be: um, has your patient already had a fracture? Because those patients we know are very high risk of having another fracture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Versus patients that we are just trying to perform primary prevention on. So patients mm-hmm. that we are diagnosing solely on densitometric criteria or mm-hmm. uh, the risk assessment model, mm-hmm. they might be only in this. The, the high risk but not the very high risk mm-hmm. category patients who have really low t-scores yeah. um, which some would say is a t-score that's less than negative yeah. 3.0 some would say is a t-score less than negative 3.5 mm-hmm. they might be in the very high risk for fracture category uh, so what does well, that
1: mean you to start them on those
0: patients right so so the reason that we we make these two categories yeah. is that for the the sort of standard high risk osteoporosis patient a bisphosphonate is probably appropriate as initial therapy okay for your very high risk yeah. category yeah. so your patients who've already had a fracture or your patients who um, have really low T scores mm-hmm. or there's something else about them that you mm-hmm. think this patient is really high risk for having mm-hmm. a fracture um, there is the, the the notion out there that these patients we should maybe be using more aggressive therapy with them from the get-go right so maybe not An oral bisphosphonate to start with.
1: Okay, so did they get the FDA approval for severe super osteoporosis? Is there data saying that it's more potent than a bisphosphate in these very severe osteoporosis patients? From an FDA approval standpoint,
0: not exactly. No, the the FDA labeling doesn't say, um, you know, for use in patients that are very high risk. Okay. it, it, it basically they still just say for for use in helping to okay. reduce the risk of fracture. Is there data right? to compare it to bisphosphonate? Oh, so, yeah, Yes. Yeah, so the the data out there would suggest that that the the uh, the very aggressive or more potent mm-hmm. um, osteoporosis medications, which would include basically um, anything that is uh, an injection or an mm-hmm. infusion mm-hmm. is probably more potent in terms of
1: reducing the risk of fracture than the oral bisphosphonates. Gotcha, that's why you said oral, because the IB bisphosphonates may be just as good air quote Corrupt. as the anabolic.
0: So the, the ones mm-hmm. we would put in that category mm-hmm. of consider these for your high risk patients mm-hmm. would be IV reclast yeah. or IV zoledronic acid, yeah. the IV bisphosphonate, um, denosumab or yep. prolia. Um, and then this other agent you just brought up
1: Forteo. That makes sense. So it's mm-hmm. not really the categories is giving it to the IV. It is. seems like the parenteral, the
0: non-oral well, administration yeah. seems to make a difference. Now, for the anabolic medications, and we're going to talk about the other others, I'm sure. Of course, but the anabolic medications do seem that if you compare them to the anti-resorptive medications, they might have a slight edge even further, even
1: beyond the the IV reclass okay. and the denosumab in terms of fracture risk reduction. Wow! So, and and you know, maybe I'm just asking too much, but I remember when I'm doing my, my board review class, that in the olden days, teriparatide had some kind of labeling that there was a high risk for bone cancer, uh, osteosarcoma. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was only seen in animals, you correct. know what I mean? But I remember I memorized that, you know what I mean? <laughs> Is that, can we lay that to rest? The humans, mean you, we're not gonna get no bone cancer from this drug, are we? You're correct. So okay. the, what the labeling said, was just that when the medication was
0: tested in rats, mm. a specific type of rat, that some of the rats, mm. their their bones grew so much, their construction crew became so active mm. that they started growing bone tumors, uh, osteosarcoma, right? Yep. Um, and so when, when uh, teriparatide Forteo was mm. approved uh, for use in 2002, it had an FDA black box warning that said, it didn't say it causes osteosarcoma in humans, it mm. said, it, we think it caused osteosarcoma in rats. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it could cause osteosarcoma in humans. It wasn't seen in any of the trials that were done up to that point, Mm -hmm. but they said, keep an eye out for it.
1: Right. And if I was just your standard, you know, woman or man, and I just see a little risk of bone cancer. I don't think I'll go for the trials. I'm just get that drug away from me. Sure. Right. So, which is very understandable. Yeah. And so then
0: 18 years later in November 2020, <laughs> two years ago, um, after accumulating now, you know, more than 20 years of data, if yep. you take into account the, the trials that yep. went on before FDA approval, yep. um, uh, the FDA downgraded it from a black box warning to just part of the labeling. Oh. And so now it is still in the labeling, but yep. again, all it says is that uh, some of the rats who, who got this medication developed yep. osteosarcoma. So I think it's more a, a warning for rats than it is for humans. Um, not, not something that, that humans
1: need to be too worried about. So two more drugs and we're still in your anabolics, which are bone building everyone, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so the reason why you're here, not just because you're cool and my friend, you know, there's this new thing the first FDA approved medication for men with osteoporosis. And you know we talked about these other drugs already, and we—I just assume men could take them. But this one, you know, you you go to on the internet and you look up these magazines. You know, they're like, "Yeah, FDA approved." I'm like, "Wait a minute, you're telling me these other drugs weren't FDA approved for men?" So let's talk about brand name Timlos, which is another type of teraparitide. I can't pronounce this right. Abaloperitide. Uh, abaloparatide Yeah, oh, I heard you. Yeah,
0: you, man. you did it just so, right.
1: Any, any thoughts about
0: that? So a baloparatide, um, which as of now, there's only one brand name, Timlos, mm-hmm. um, is a, an analog of another hormone called PTHRP, parathyroid hormone related peptide. Ah. Um, so it looks again, very similar to parathyroid hormone, mm-hmm. but some slight differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Essentially, the mechanisms are gonna be very similar okay. as to why it works and why it does what it mm-hmm. does. Um, it's also administered as a, as an injection, a subcutaneous mm-hmm. injection. Mm-hmm. It's also administered once a day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in many ways, it's, it's very similar. It's the sister drug to mm-hmm. teriparatide, okay. um, also known as Forteo. Um, so, uh, many of these drugs we've talked about, in fact, all of the drugs we've mm-hmm. talked about, um, have also been approved for use in men for a while okay. including teriparatide or forteo okay, okay? Um, it's been fda approved for use in men yeah what the sort of big big news is yeah. is that timlos has now become approved for use in men whereas prior to a couple of days ago mm-hmm. or a week or two ago it was not okay. um so uh. <laughs> so what men were still being treated for osteoporosis with fda approved medications yeah. Uh, prior to a week or two ago, um, they were being treated with Forteo, they were being treated with Prolia, they were being treated with um, bisphosphonates and all of those were were FDA approved, you know, on on label uses. Um, But prior to very recently, there were no men who were being treated with Timlos outside of a clinical research situation (laughs) because if a doctor tried to Prescribed Timlos to a patient yeah. um, before very recently, the insurance company would have said, Oh, that's not an FDA approved indication okay. because the data that was available only supported the use in women, gotcha. most specifically in postmenopausal yep. women. Yep, 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 um, yep. There was no reason to think that it wouldn't have worked in men. Mm-hmm. It's just that the data wasn't there until more recently.
1: And, 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 and that's goes to show you you put your ads out there right. and they put the word men pretty big yeah and so of course all of a sudden you start thinking but I thought wait a minute why are they really blowing up the word men which is good awareness yeah. for men in osteoporosis yeah. but that makes sense and so the last drug I'm going to talk about is very confusing whether you're a healthcare provider or a doctor or even a patient and, you know, brand name is Avinity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, all these people should pay me. <laughs> I mean, hopefully I'm the checks it. are in the mail. You know, and of course, the generic name is always hard to pronounce Romosusumab. Yeah, there you go. You know, and <laughs> it really works on something called sclerostin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's all this is confusing. Can you just explain to me in super layman's terms? and how is that going to really kind of uh, apply to the osteoclast and all that sure. kind of stuff. And where does this drug fall in, because now I'm really confused, I have mm-hmm. options now, mm-hmm. so where does this fall into your, your treatment algorithm? So, Ivenity uh,
0: is also a, a monoclonal antibody, so it's kind of, uh, you know, similar in that one sense to Prolia. They're both biologic agents.
1: But how um, come when I read this article, mm-hmm. they put it under anabolic agent? Uh, because it's both... In it's a sense, both? a biologic agent
0: and an anabolic agent, I guess. Right? We just created so, a new class. There right we go. Okay. Um, so, uh, so Evenity is yeah. more of an of an anabolic agent uh-huh. than than prolio which is not at all an anabolic agent. Okay. prolia is a pure osteoclast inhibitor, a okay. pure inhibitor of the demolition team. Okay. So, what does Evenity do? So, it's a monoclonal antibody that blocks what you said, sclerostin. So, yeah. sclerostin? Yeah. Sclerostin what is sclerostin? Yeah. What is Sclerostin is this is this factor, uh, this hormone, in a Sense that um, that uh, to some degree inhibits the construction team mm-hmm. it inhibits the osteoblasts and to a smaller degree it it sort of pumps up and stimulates the demolition team the osteoclasts okay. right so sclerosteophan- but, 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 but pumps up the
1: building team more
0: no, sclerostin. Scler. I'm talking about what does sclerostin oh, do? by itself, right? sclerostin. Okay. If left untouched, what yeah. does sclerostin do? Sclerostin does bad things. We would assume sclerostin is bad. Okay, sclerostin uh, inhibits the construction team. Bad. Bad, and to a lesser extent, pumps up the demolition team. Ooh, so bad. I hate Both sclerostin. Things, right? hate we don't sclerostin like sclerostin out of our body. Okay. So by inhibiting sclerostin, okay, which is what. Evenity does okay. um you are uh, you're taking the breaks off of the osteoblast Mm -hmm. so you are allowing it to to do construction Ah, so yes it is a it is an anabolic agent because it's taking the brakes off of the construction team
1: Um, nice and that's why it's a monoclonal antibody because it's against that sterostin protein correct so it does do both yes Nice. well so so yeah if you look at you know the the data
0: and and you know what uh uh the people who who are Mm-hmm. Who are promoting Avenity? They yeah. say, "Well, yes, there's evidence that it's both an anabolic and an anti-resorptive yeah. in one, right?" Yeah. Um, but I think that you know, if we're trying to just classify it, we usually put it in the anabolic category because okay. Okay. it seems like the anabolic effects are probably the more profound uh, uh, effects um, than the anti-resorptive effects of so the, the
1: so construction. So this comes out, you know, and I got to tell you, it's kind of sexy. You know what I mean? It was, you yeah. know. <laughs> We're doctors. Yeah, oh yeah. Our bar is really low. That's cool. You know? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, we've only, we had this phosphates forever. We yeah. had, you know, PTH analogs for a while. It's a new category. Yeah. You kind of like a new category. Sure. So where does this fall in into clinical practice? When would you consider using some brand name, Avinity? Still, and pre- how do you give it, by the way? And what dose? Uh, al- how often? Also, a
0: subcutaneous injection. Okay. Um, it's su- actually given as two separate subcutaneous injections each time you go to get a dose. Um, it has to be given as two separate injections okay. um, to try to minimize uh, or, or mitigate the the uh, effects of having a, a skin reaction, uh, okay. sort of a localized uh, reaction, mm-hmm. which is still a common side effect. But um, when they when they tried giving the whole dose as one injection, yeah, they are really bad in- injection. It's so it's reactions. the same day that you so, get both So in the same day you would go, you'd get two injections in two different sites in your body. <laughs> okay. You do that once a month for 12 months. Um, and every so time you go, it's two injections, it's two injections, day. two injections. So you can't do it at home. You have to go to a healthcare provider. correct. So, um, so, Ivenity uh, has to be given by a healthcare provider, yeah. doctor, nurse, pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Um, Prolia has to be given by a healthcare provider, really? doctor, nurse, I pharmacist. Thought was, I thought it was, you go at home and you inject yourself. Om- only if you're a doctor, a nurse, or a pharmacist. I guess so. Um, uh, or you otherwise have proper training to do so. Um, Reclast, which is an IV infusion, obviously oh. has to be given in an infusion yeah. center. Yeah. Um, Forteo and Timlos, those are given at home. Those
1: are self Injection Because it's daily. Daily. I mean no one's going to come in because of those things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, so Avenity, is your endocrine place here at USC set up? Is your staff and nursing and support staff, can they do the injections at your endocrine clinic? Absolutely. That's what, that's what it's meant for. We have patients on Avenity, we have patients on Prolia,
0: we have patients on Reclast. Gotcha. So where does it
1: fall in? When, when are you going to evenity some person?
0: The Avenity again falls into that, that very high risk severe osteoporosis category Mm -hmm. if you're going to use it as a if you're going to consider using it as a first line agent okay um that those are the types of people you're going to use it in so someone who's either already had an osteoporotic fracture or someone who has very very low Mm t-scores or someone who for whatever other reason um you think is very high risk for fracture
1: so there is uh still not well-defined guidelines when it comes to some of these drugs it sounds like i think we're both on the same page Bisphosphonate oral, which mm-hmm. probably a lot of listeners are on. Mm-hmm. If you're a high risk, you got to give it a parental, meaning IV or subcutaneous. Mm-hmm. You could give the IV bisphosphonate. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you want to commit yourself lifelong, the monoclonal antibody like a denosumab. At the same time, a daily injection, mm-hmm. which is like a teraparatide, for example. Or, or once again, it could be a vanity, mm-hmm. which is going to be going and getting injecting. But there still isn't a clear-cut algorithm where you follow the dotted line of what you do next. It's still, there's no head-to-head trials at that high-risk level giving it parentally, which is best, did I say that correctly?
0: Uh, I generally, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot
1: more for us to learn, um, yeah.
0: and I think to your point, yeah, I mean, Avenity uh, is the newest a new drug on the market, yep. you know, that, that was uh, FDA approved in 2019. So you know, three going on four years ago, um, you know, a uh, not, not too far mm-hmm. behind there. Um, like I said, teriparatide has been on the market for, for over 20 years now, but you know, in the grand scheme of things that still is not that long. Um, the other major consideration here and the reason why mm-hmm. these drugs maybe have still uh, while the, why the anabolic agents haven't necessarily floated to the top, uh, besides you know, uh, a lack of a, a safety record, or at least the lack of an established track record yep. is their cost, right? These medications are extremely expensive. Um, and so yep. um, from a, you know, a population standpoint, you know, are we. Um, we, we should only deploy these medications on the patients who are at the highest risk, right? So that's why, that's why the, these, these guidelines and these algorithms that that do exist say, you know, we shouldn't be automatically putting every patient with osteoporosis on an anabolic agent because the anabolic agents are way more expensive by orders of magnitude yeah. compared to
1: um especially the bisphosphonates i can see everyone just clapping right now like <laughs> you're you're my favorite endocrinologist uh one last thing is i don't want to end it on a drug note because sure, yeah. we really we drugged it up yeah quite a bit Hard, um,
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> any just uh lifestyle changes you, you like to tell your patients yeah. osteoporosis, things that, you know, they could just do. Yeah. So
0: okay. we talked earlier about calcium and vitamin D. Yeah. A lot of my patients ask me about other vitamins and supplements and minerals and things like that. So some patients ask me about magnesium, boron, strontium, vitamin K. <laughs> um, and and there certainly is uh, yeah. it, uh, is some, there's some evidence you could find for all of these things, okay. right? Okay. Um, but I would say that the, the evidence to support their use in terms of uh, either preventing bone loss or more importantly, preventing fracture risk is pretty flimsy, okay? okay. To be honest, the evidence to support using calcium and vitamin D is pretty flimsy too, like we talked about, but at least there's more evidence behind those than Mm -hmm. a lot of these other things I said. So when patients ask me, Dr. Barnett, what do you think about me taking, fill in the blank with any supplement that is not calcium or vitamin D? My usual response to them is, I don't have any reason to believe it's harmful, but, uh, and if you want to take it, I I don't have a problem with you taking it, but I'm not telling my patients to go out and get these things. Okay. Um, so that's as far as other vitamin supplements, Mm -hmm. things like that go. Patients ask, are there things I should avoid in terms of, uh, food supplements, whatever? Um, generally the answer here is things that we know are not good for our overall health are also not good for our bones. So things that probably people are trying to minimize or avoid already, alcohol consumption, tobacco consumption um caffeine consumption uh, sometimes i say this to patients and they give me this big wide eyed look like oh my god i can't believe the doctor's <laughs> telling me to stop consuming caffeine mm-hmm. that's not what i'm saying yes. i'm just saying be mindful of your consumption try to minimize it or or you know if you're drinking 5 cups of coffee a day try to t- tone it down to uh, <laughs> a, a few less right if you're sweating and tachycardic that then may be a little too much tone acid. it down <laughs> tone it down um uh, and we also know that uh, carbonated soft drink so coke Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, uh, but also diet soft drinks, diet Coke, diet Pepsi, diet Dr. Pepper. Um, uh, there's uh, there's uh, uh, certain elements in in these these soft drinks, uh, uh, phosphoric acid that we we think it's postulated might be um, related to uh, to loss of bone, maybe a higher fracture risk. Although again, it's you know there's probably things a lot worse things out there you could do um, <laughs> than a diet soft drink, <laughs> but there's lots of reasons to avoid them as well. well what about um, a going to the gym? Okay. So yeah, so then people ask, well, yeah, what about exercise? Um, mm-hmm. the, the the short story or, or the big picture here yeah. is yeah. Uh, people that are more physically active have fewer fractures than people that are less physically active. So I tell my patients, pick pick an activity that you like to do, that you enjoy doing, that is practical for you to do, and that you feel comfortable and safe doing it, and do it regularly, um, because we also have pretty good evidence to show that the, the regularity, the consistency is more important is probably more important than, than doing, you know, one really good activity, but doing it very infrequently. Of right. Course, of course. Um, yeah. so, um, I tell patients, you know, when mm-hmm. your weight bearing exercise, you know, always gets thrown out there as the thing to do. And I love weight bearing exercise. I think patients should do it, but if they don't like doing weight bearing exercise, if they don't feel comfortable doing weight bearing exercise, if it's not practical for them to do it because they don't want to join a gym and they don't have this stuff at home and they don't want to get it i tell patients you know what just pick any activity that you like doing and just do it regularly i agree even if it's just a walk around the neighborhood that's better than nothing and and doing it consistently is more important than doing you know weight-bearing exercise or resistance training but only doing it you know once a month thank you for listening to the beyond the pearls podcast from inside the boards This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beatman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.